Hello everybody, I'm Sean and welcome back to the Croc Time podcast, delivering weekly updates on markets and geopolitics, providing you with valuable insights and unique perspectives on events and trends shaping the world. Today's episode is one of my favorite topics, de-dollarization. In other words, the diminishing importance of the US dollar in the world's economy. Today, we will uncover whether this is a real trend or not, how fast it is moving, where it is being seen, and much, much more. Firstly, we will start with a very general overview of the US dollar's global situation. Then, we will proceed towards the commodities industry and see how de-dollarization is affecting this industry. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Russia has been the main player of the de-dollarization trend in commodities. Emerging markets are then on our list, and we will be diving into their foreign exchange reserves, also called FX reserves, as well as their central bank gold demand and their private sector demand for US dollars. Get ready to be blown out from your seat or wherever you're listening this from. We got a lot to cover, so let's cut to the chase. We are often filled with media narratives pushing and over-exaggerating the de-dollarization trend. It is hard to make sense of the situation with all this noise buzzing around us. We could be led to believe that the US dollar just isn't important anymore, that alternatives are everywhere, and the Chinese currency, the renminbi, is now the global reserve currency. This couldn't be further from the truth. The US dollar is the global reserve currency of the world, and unless something drastic changes, it will probably remain so for some time. However, there are certain trends under the surface that everybody needs to be aware of, which are denting its hegemonic status. In addition, misconceptions around de-dollarization are far too common. Some examples of these include Number 1. That China's trade surplus will inhibit the renminbi in becoming a global reserve currency. This narrative is false, as the US dollar's rise to global reserve currency status in the late 40s, 50s and 60s happened when the US was a net exporter and not a net importer. Number two, that the de-dollarization trend is caused by emerging market countries, often not too friendly with Western powers, which are looking to reduce their dependence on the US dollar. Also in this case, we can't say it's true and the media loves to take it and spin it in many different directions. Don't get me wrong, some countries do want to reduce their dependence on the US dollar, but they eventually do so only when the US and its allies place an enormous amount of sanctions and expel them from the US dollar-based system. This obviously forces them to go for alternatives. This has happened with Venezuela, Iran, and now Russia, just to name a few, and is accelerating the use of alternative currencies. Now that we got that out of the way, let's start by dissecting the US dollar status as the reserve currency of the world. The US dollar is used everywhere. By looking at very general US dollar usage measures, which include transaction volumes, share in FX reserves, and cross-border liabilities, 
we can see that dollar usage has fallen in the last five years to 66% of the total. But it is near the lower bound of its long-term range between 65 and 70%. The US dollar is still the dominant currency out there, followed by the euro, yen, sterling, and then the Chinese renminbi. Foreign issuance of dollar debt has remained steady. Trade invoicing is stable and transaction volumes in US dollars are still strong. So where is the problem? And is there any weakness at all? Well, while the transaction side is where dollar dominance remains, there is a clear bifurcation emerging under the hood, especially regarding FX reserves. In fact, central bank FX reserves in US dollars is now down to a record low. 58% of FX reserves in the world are still in US dollars, which is still very significant, but the trend is downward sloping. In addition to this, the US dollar share in global exports and output is also falling, denting the invincibility argument of the US dollar. This is leading to a bifurcated market picture for the US dollar in recent years, which has accelerated since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Let's now move on towards commodities. The commodities market is mostly priced in dollars, and this sector is where a clear de-dollarization trend is happening, which is becoming harder to ignore. The trend is not new, as it started with Russia's invasion of Crimea in 2014. However, since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the trend has accelerated. The most prominent catalyst of this trend in the commodity industry is none other than Russia. Russia has made a clear pivot eastward and continues to reroute energy exports to Asia, changing the entire global commodity industry overnight. Russia's new strategy is focused on three key pillars. First, Russia is looking for new trade routes through water and land not controlled by the West. Secondly, the country is looking to completely de-dollarize its energy exports. Thirdly, Russia is looking for new markets to diversify away from China, India being the most prominent market it is eagerly looking at. An example of new trade routes through friendlier countries is the recent emergence of the North-South Transport Corridor, also called the NSTC. I should dedicate an entire episode to the NSTC. This corridor goes from Russia through Azerbaijan and the Caspian Sea towards Iran and then onwards to the Indian Ocean and in particular India. Infrastructure development on this corridor is in full progress but Iran's geography will certainly remain a challenge. Now, what are the implications from this new strategy and geopolitical shift? Number one, there is a massive structural shift in global energy markets. Different regions in the world are paying significantly different prices for their energy imports. The prices of Ural's crude, 
the blend of crude oil that Russia produces has seen a substantial divergence from Brent crude, the biggest benchmark in the industry. The low prices of Ural's crude has led to a significant advantage for buyers, as China's and India's economies now have a significant competitive advantage with incredibly cheap energy. The second biggest geopolitical shift, which is where de-dollarization comes back into play, is that Russian energy exports are being sold in the local currencies of the buyers or in currencies from countries that Russia deems friendly. The gas flowing through the Power of Siberia gas pipeline from Russia to China, signed in 2014 and completed in 2019, is paid for in rubles and yuan. Just for reference, the yuan is the principal unit of the renminbi. I know, I also find that confusing. Since 2022 and Russia's banishment from the US dollar-based financial system, a larger proportion of energy is being priced in non-US dollar currencies. Strangely enough, the euro is also sometimes used. However, the main currencies being used for energy commodities are the yuan, the Russian ruble, the Indian rupee, and the Emirati dirham. Indian refineries are reported to be buying Russian oil via Dubai-based traders in UAE dirhams. What makes this trend a bit funny is that the Emirati dirham is actually pegged to the US dollar. Fascinating, right? Russian commodity companies are also moving fast and are issuing bonds in yuan, with Rusal, the major producer of high-purity aluminium in Russia, being the first company to do so. Oil and gas producers are following close behind. Russia has recently even paid dividends from the Sakhalin oil and gas development projects in the Far East in Chinese yuan. Friendlier currencies are making deeper and deeper inroads into Russian forex transactions as the US dollar and other Western currencies are progressively being substituted. Russia is the second largest oil exporter in the world. Given its significance, it is widely believed that more countries will follow suit and start using alternative currencies. Xi Jinping, the president of China, visited Saudi Arabia in December of last year and signed many new contracts which have not been released to the public yet. However, it seems that Saudi Arabia is now exploring payments in other currencies. If that were to happen, that would be a massive new development. Venezuela and Iran have both adapted to selling oil in alternative ways since their expulsion from the US dollar-based system, sometimes bartering their oil and gas for other commodities. Among buyers of Russian commodities, China, India, and Turkey are using or seeking alternative payment options. Cross-border trade settlements in Yuan are increasing in popularity. There were reports of an Indian company buying Russian coal in Yuan without the involvement of Chinese intermediaries. Bangladesh 
is also paying for a Russian-built nuclear power plant in Yuan. As you can clearly see, the de-dollarization in the commodities industry is gaining popularity as more and more countries look to get involved. Let's now move towards emerging markets and see how the de-dollarization trend is picking up there. FX reserves and gold demand are some of the biggest themes in emerging markets affecting the global reserve status of the US dollar. Let's start with FX reserves. Up until just a few decades ago, the majority of foreign assets owned by emerging markets were FX reserves held at the central bank. The purpose of accumulating FX reserves by a central bank is for short-term macro stabilization, such as intervening in the currency market, underpinning a currency peg, and for balance of payments needs. However, now, FX reserves held by the central bank have fallen as a proportion of total foreign assets held by emerging market countries, so we can't just look at these. A new player has emerged, and that is the Sovereign Wealth Fund. This endowment-type institution has accumulated considerable foreign assets and has grown incredibly in size. The main reason for their growth is to store the incredible wealth generated by selling commodities. The Gulf states and Norway immediately spring to mind as examples. They own foreign assets for risk capital, a clear difference with their central bank's purpose. But I would like to stop here and highlight that while we know that sovereign wealth funds are scooping up significant foreign assets in recent years, they are private and their dealings are quite opaque. Their transparency compared to central bank FX reserves is significantly lower, but their emergence and prominence is impressive. Where does gold fit into all of this? Well, 2022 was actually a record year in terms of gold demand from central banks. They bought over two times more than usual. Which central banks, you may ask? Emerging market central banks, to be precise. The main hypothesis out there is that as Russia's FX reserves in US dollars and other Western currencies were frozen overseas, almost $300 billion worth of it, central banks around the world asked themselves, well, this could potentially happen to us one day. They thus decided to diversify their reserves, and buying gold was the obvious answer. While this narrative has picked up pace and is important, it needs some context. The amount of gold bought by central banks is huge, and emphasizes a clear trend. But the purchases of gold have been very concentrated to only a few central banks. China, India, Turkey, and Central Asia were the biggest buyers. But strangely enough, only two to three countries have actually seen their share of reserves in gold go up significantly. And these are Turkey, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan. For other countries, the share really hasn't gone up much. This is a key takeaway that is often left out. Now, let's move on to one of the final segments, 
the private sector in emerging markets. Private sector demand for the US dollar in emerging markets has increased. As many emerging markets are facing high inflation, weakening currencies, and economic trouble, households and corporates have been buying US dollars as an inflation hedge. This is often an important story that gets overlooked, as some emerging markets have seen their currency go down the toilet. Turkey and Argentina are prime examples of this. Argentina recently completed a $10 billion currency swap with China, and in April, the two countries agreed to drop the use of the US dollar in their bilateral trade. However, this was also done to stop the flow of its meager dollar reserves out of the country as the black market continues to buy a significant amount of US dollars as inflation continues to soar in the triple digits. We've gone over a lot, I know, but I just can't help myself. This topic is just way too important. Now, what do I think should be the main takeaways from this episode? Well, the US dollar is and will remain the global reserve currency for the foreseeable future. Keep an eye out on the commodity industry because it is signaling that a trend away from the US dollar is underway. And while it may seem this is gaining steam, we are still in the early days of this. Emerging market central banks are not the majority owners of US dollars anymore as their sovereign wealth funds increase in importance. Since Russia's FX reserves in US dollars and other Western currencies were frozen, central banks in emerging markets have significantly increased gold purchases. But as I said, this needs to be put into context. The private sector in emerging markets is aggressively buying dollars as an inflation hedge. I would also like to highlight how the US is also to blame for the progressive de-dollarization trend. Don't get me wrong though, Russia's behavior isn't justifiable, but by expelling countries from the US dollar-based system, the US is forcing them to seek alternatives. The US needs to find other ways to punish countries rather than using its incredible financial competitive advantage. I'll keep you all updated as soon as possible on this interesting topic. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Croc Time. Please leave a review and follow me on Instagram, and I'll be back next time with more insightful research.